Hello and welcome to Marriage and Money, a conversational podcast about personal financial topics aimed at improving conversations about money in your marriage so you can reach your dreams together. This is a weekly discussion brought to you by a seemingly financially incompatible couple bonded by the legal contract of marriage. My name is David, your favorite saver, and in addition to Heather this week, we are honored to be joined by some special guests. Please welcome to the show, Noah and Nicole from Nickel for Your Thoughts YouTube channel. Welcome. So good to have you on today. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. We're excited. Yeah, absolutely. So the beauty of like getting into this finance world and the community is we've met some amazing people on the internet that we probably would have never, ever gotten to meet. So we're excited today to do another interview with a couple that we just recently met who are also in this space and on a journey to help educate and help people get to some financial independence. So um, Noah, Nicole, why don't you introduce yourself to our community, share a little bit where you live, what you do for a living, how long you've been married, and maybe why why is this so interesting of a topic that you want to talk about? So t- pass it over. We're Noah and Nicole. Um, we uh, live in Michigan. We are actually currently living in Florida. We've been here for the past couple months. This is our first year trying out the whole snowbird situation, and it's going well so far. Um, I am in the talent world, so I'm a talent development specialist at Rock Central, um, part of the whole Quicken Loans, um, Rocket Mortgage, family of companies there. So um, that's what I'm currently doing. Um, I've been doing that for a couple of years, and uh, Noah and I are going on three years of marriage this summer. Um, So we're excited to celebrate that milestone, and I'll pass it over to you and let you introduce yourself. Yeah, so my name is Noah. I graduating out of college, I actually started a job as a financial advisor for like a private wealth management company. Um, I did that for a little over a year, tried to start a small business, failed, um, went to work at a job temporarily, um, and then started Nickel for Your Thoughts. So currently, uh, on a day-to-day basis, I basically trade in the market. And then I also have just recently started a small consulting firm. So that's where I'm at professionally, but just a huge passion for trying to help people become financially literate and really push financial education because I think it can have a a huge impact and benefit people a ton in their daily lives and really just help free up a ton of their resources and allow them to achieve some of the goals that they might not have thought were possible. And and even to add on that, I think we are so excited that you guys reached out, especially about the marriage piece as well. Um, I know with a lot of our friends and things like that, it almost seems taboo to talk about money and finances and your relationship, not only with that, but with your partner with that as well. So when you reached out, we were really excited. Um, Whether our friends like it or or not, we openly talk about it. So we're (laughs) happy that we're um, trying to make that something that's just more open in society to talk about, um, to get people excited about. So we're we're super excited to, to be on your podcast today. That's great. That's great. And we're excited to have you, especially as more of a newly married couple with a uh, it's really exciting to get that perspective in addition to like that financial professional perspective as well, both of you being in the financial services industry. So very excited about that. So could you give us a little bit of background on if you'd be willing to share on how your finances are set up as a couple? We've, we've talked a little bit on previous episodes about different ways that couples structure their finances, whether that be separate, combined, or some type of a hybrid approach. How are you set up? Yeah, Yeah, so we are completely conjoined financially. 
Um, I think since we got engaged, actually, we like merged our finances together. Um, so we set up uh, joint bank accounts. I believe at that time, we even like combined our investment accounts. Um, and it's something I think we had even talked about before we got engaged about yeah. doing. Um, and makes makes our whole marriage sound kind of like a, a business transaction, doesn't <laughs> it? We're like, well, let's pool our money together. I, I can really you, make it go further that way. I, I'm glad you talked about these things, though, right? A lot yes. of people stumble into it, and, and you went in very intentional. And I think that's a really good lesson uh, from, from what you've done. Yeah. yeah. The, the only yeah. downside we've experienced is with name changes, it makes a lot of like paperwork mm. headaches. But other than that, just really glad we did it. Really glad we had those conversations early on in our relationship and that we are on the same page basically since day one. So it's it's definitely better when you're both working to accomplish the same goal instead of someone taking a step forward and the other person moving you two steps back. No, that's great. That's really great. Especially like David, it's so early in your relationship to start on that ground. So one of the other topics that we talk about, and David kind of mentioned this in uh, the intro, is this dynamic between a spender and a saver. And it seems like people, there's the spectrum of, you know, either being kind of labeled, I hate to label people, but more of a saver versus a spender type. How would you describe, are you guys similar in nature? Are you different? Are you kind of both in the middle? where would you We're quite different. yeah I was gonna say you know Noah painted this really nice picture like wow we we got engaged we were right on the same page you know it was really great and I'm over here thinking mm, I don't know if that's the <laughs> full story so um we were definitely on the same page with being excited about um wanting to put our money together to make it go further as far as investments go and things like that um that part we were definitely on the same page about but talking about the spender and the saver. This is our, um, this is our saver, Noah, over here. Um, he loves to save everything. He will, you know, if we get a piece of fruit that's bruised from the grocery store, he will bring it back so that we get our full money's worth from the grocery uh, store. He, uh, that's like a one-off thing. Though. Yes. You, you buy uh, no name brand things like that's just, it's ingrained in him that I was like, I get annoyed having to to record the refund from the grocery store for 90 cents. I'm like, really? I I do that. Really? I did did that recently. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so yes, Noah's Noah's definitely that, uh, the, the saver for sure. But I wouldn't say Nicole is the spendthrift either. She's, she's definitely very mindful with her spending and she's intentional with it. Like her, her favorite thing to do is travel. Um, and she's made that very apparent and made sure we were on the same page right from the beginning that, hey, I want to travel and I want you to want to travel. And she's definitely given me the travel bug, too, um, which I've, I've fallen in love with. I think it's just so cool being able to experience different different geographies, different cultures, different practices that we're not used to typically. Um, so I'm definitely thankful for that. Um, but I think we do a good job of balancing one another out. That's a little bit of a. I don't know. It's just balanced. I guess that's the best word I could use. It's good to have that that push and pull dynamic so that you're not so that one person um, isn't being bogged down too much by the saving or one person isn't too much in the we have to travel all the time camp. Right. (laughs) There's a healthy balance in there. One of the things that um, uh, Noah, you talk a lot about that your your YouTube channel is based on is is investing. What is it that that got you started in investing and got this bug in you that this is something you have to do? How did you learn about it or who taught you about that? We were were trying to think about that a little bit ago, actually, and we couldn't pinpoint an exact like 
point in time or an exact event that caused it to happen. I think for me, it's just, it's just the concept, the theory that compound interest is such a powerful effect. And over time, if you, if you let it do its work, it really can have some incredible results. So I like, I started investing in high school, actually, before I turned 18. Wow. Um, I was, yeah, I actually gave my dad, I, I made an arrangement with my dad. He had like an account set up with TD Ameritrade and I gave him like, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars. And I said, dad, can you deposit this into your account so I can start investing with it? And like, I'll keep it separate from your money. I'll just, I'll make sure I know what is my investment and what is yours. And he, he said, yeah. So that was like my first test of investing and no idea what I was doing. And looking <laughs> back, it was a double-edged sword. <laughs> that, that those couple hundred dollars that I gave him, gone. The company I invested in went bankrupt. Oh no. Um, but on the, wow. Yes. But but there's a, there's a bright side. On the flip side of that, I under like I learned what I didn't know. I was just looking at a chart. I, I looked at a stock fall and I was like, oh, if it's falling right now, it has to go up at some point in the future. Mm. Um, but now knowing that is absolutely not the case. Just just those those uh, educational components that I wouldn't have gotten from reading a book or watching a video. I had to get it from doing it. And going forward, those those lessons that I learned, I'm never going to forget those. So yeah, it stinks that I lost a couple hundred dollars, but in the grand scheme of things, paying a couple hundred dollars for that information, for that knowledge, it just paid, pays huge dividends, both literally and figuratively. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I think most of us learn in life through more probably from our failures than our successes. And to your point, I mean, to have, I know when you're 18, a couple hundred bucks is, is a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things, to your point, I mean, getting an education from that experience is, that's, that's really great. And it'd be really tempting to look at that and say, oh my gosh, I lost a couple hundred bucks. I'm no good at this. I'm just going to walk away yeah, and give up. True. But you took that and turned it as a lesson that said, okay, now I know what I need to do different and how I need to learn what I need to learn in order to improve myself. And that's a great perspective that I think we can all learn from. I, I agree completely. Instead of like being down in the dumps, it kind of motivated me. It's like, all right, people. Yeah, that's how I am. Whenever someone tells me I can't do something, it's like, all right, I want, I'm all in. Let me, let me prove you wrong. Now so. I want to do it even more. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a driver. Yes. I get it. Yes. So then how did this, how did this work when you guys got married on the investing front? Nicole, was this something you were doing or were you just, okay, we're all along for the ride, or I want to know more about it. Where's this money going? How did that work in your marriage? Yeah. So, um, as we talked about, you know, we were both kind of interested in investing when we were younger. I started a Roth when I got my first job, you know, whatever whatever it was, (laughs) I I opened up a Roth IRA. Um, but I had a, my, I just used my parents, um, financial advisor that they had and he was managing that for me. Um, and then when Noah and I got engaged and like you said, even beforehand, when we were kind of figuring out how we could pool our money without, you know, our parents knowing or something like that, we had talked about what that would look like. And I, I, you know, at first I was a little nervous. I, I trusted Noah with my life, but you know, we were 22 years old. So I said, do I want to give all of my money, which wasn't much, obviously. At the but time. it feels but, like so a lot. I want to give all of my money to a 22-year-old. You know, I love this man, but he's still a 22-year-old man, um, you know, is still waiting to graduate college. Do I want to give him all my money? So I was a little nervous. I said, what if we leave some with the financial advisor? I'll give some to you. We'll kind of do that. 
it eventually, it just, it, it felt right. Um, when we got married, I just took everything out from my financial advisor, Noah, and I opened up a um, investment portfolio together. We, we literally put everything we had together. Um, and Noah has been investing that ever since. So that was a, you know, wow. that was a change for me because yeah. we were both young and it was a little scary for me. Like, so I would check in like, Hey, how you doing? Everything going okay? Have we lost a lot of money lately? Um, <laughs> Only rarely. Yes, and um, you know it's it's been it's been okay since it really has. Um, it's been fun almost um, to talk more and learn more about it. So. And let me let me step in to give Nicole some credit here. So she said she started her Roth IRA when she got her first job. She got her first job at sixteen. So she opened like her parents helped her open a custodial Roth IRA when she was 16 years old. And just like those additional years, even if you're comparing it to someone who starts a Roth IRA at their first job out of college, like that's a huge advantage, just being able to, to take that step, probably recommended by your parents or their financial advisor, um, just showing that like, hey, that little bit of information is just gonna have such a huge impact over the long term. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Nicole, you had mentioned that that you periodically would check in on, hey, how is this doing? How, how has that communication evolved as your marriage has progressed? Do you do you have like a regular check in now that you do, or is it more just, oh yeah, I'm I'm worried about it this week, so I'm going to ask about it. Yeah, it's probably a mix of those things. So I think you know, as um, time has gone on, you know, we got married. Um, we definitely we were interested in saving right away. Like I said, because we got engaged and we're like, Oh, now we have a wedding to pay for. So <laughs> yeah. ever since the day, you know, we got engaged, I feel like there probably isn't a day that goes by that we don't talk about investing or a stock or some sort of business idea we have rolling around in our minds. And um, I think it just continues to evolve. Um, this past year, Noah's tried to do a um, bi-weekly budget meeting with the both of oh. us, which a very formal one, which sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't. But um, we talk about investing almost every day. We try to go for a walk together every day. And I think that's the topic of our walk most of the time. Um, Noah's trying to sit me down and do like some nightly classes. We'll do like 20 minutes. I literally wow. have a notepad and I'm like taking notes. But, that's you know, awesome. um, it's just I I have gotten interested in some of it, but I have still never placed a trade. Never. Yeah, you have. When? You have. Oh, I've well, never placed a trade before. Maybe once. Maybe he like told me what buttons to click. But otherwise, I do trust him. I like learning about the broad concept of it. I'm not sure that I'm ever actually interested in, in doing any of the trades myself. But it's fun to learn about. I get excited that he's geeked about it. It's fun to hear him get all excited about it. And let me yeah. let me interject again here. So Nicole said we we basically have like daily discussions about finances and investing. And one, it's partially because we're nerds. And two, <laughs> it's partially we don't. I'm trying to find the right words to explain it. It's not we're not all about the money. We're it all comes back to our goals. We focus yeah. on our why. Um, so our, our biggest why is we want to be able to to raise our family on our own terms, have a lot of time to be able to spend with them. And we want to be able to travel along the way and, and show them what the world has to offer. Mm -hmm. um, so one of our biggest goals is we really want to be work optional by the time we're 40. And that doesn't mean retire by any means. It just it just means exactly what it sounds like. Have the option to work or not. If we're doing something that we're really passionate about and we really enjoy, hey, we want to keep doing it. Um, but it's 
we always want to come back to that why because we're not just trying to accumulate dollars for the sake of getting the highest score because that's not what it's all about. Oh, that, that's such a great perspective. And yeah, we, we couldn't agree more. We, you need to yeah. have that goal. And those goals give you something to work towards together as a couple and actually bring you closer together because you're working towards the same yeah. thing. Yeah. And I just listened to a podcast yesterday that talked about it. Like a lot of people will write down their goals, will have the goal, but it really goes back to the why and why you're doing it. And that's going to be the differentiator between someone who's going to achieve their goals and not because everybody can say, here's my goal, but without understanding what the why is and the driver, I think that really sets it above, you know, to really reach and, and achieve that. So Noah, you got this, you got Nicole. I mean, she had a background in investing, but you got her excited and she was like, okay, sitting down, taking notes, learning. So what would you tell someone if they haven't started investing or they're intimidated by that? They're like, what is this? I don't know what it is. I don't, what is a Roth IRA? Like this is a whole new world. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, what advice, how did you get, Nicole, what advice would you give someone who's new or intimidated or scared about going on this journey? I think it all comes back to just like linking it to their goals. Um, so if if I wanted to talk about Nicole, this stuff to Nicole, just for the sake of talking about it, she would not be interested in, in, this, in the lease. Um, just making sure that it ties into their overarching goals and what they're trying to accomplish and what they value in life. Um, I think that's really important. And from the perspective of someone who's intimidated or scared, um, I think YouTube, the internet, incredible resources. A lot of the stuff out there is just completely free. Um, like I tell a bunch of people, I get a message like once a month, someone's like, how do I start investing? So I either like tell them, okay, check out, like, here's an Investopedia. I love Investopedia. Great resource to use. Um, like here, they'll walk you through exactly how to open a brokerage account or like check out this YouTube video. This person literally spent 20 minutes of their day walking you through screen sharing, and clicking each thing and telling you about what it is and what you need to provide and how to go about accomplishing those things. Um, and then talk to a friend. It Money isn't, necessarily a topic that a lot of people are comfortable with. I think it's it's getting more more socially acceptable to have discussions about it. And even if it does feel a little bit uncomfortable, that uncomfortability is probably worth the the benefit or the reward that you're going to reap from that conversation that you're having. It, it might be a feel a little weird talking to them for five minutes about money or investing. But even if you pick up one little tidbit of information, you're going to be way better off than before you had the conversation. And, and I think that's a really good point around how you don't need to, don't expect that you're going to be an expert overnight and don't, don't try to be that expert overnight. Just pick up that one tip. What's that one next thing you can learn and improve on? Um, I think, I think that's a really key piece of advice right there. Yeah. And what we've learned too, like you talked about is you just got to start by doing like, yes. yeah. eventually yes. you just got to, you can't, you can read whatever, but like you learned from your starting out, like, Hey, I learned how to, you just do it. And that's how you're going to learn. Right. Sometimes you just got to jump in and get going. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think young children are the best models. You ever watch one of them try to learn how to walk? It's, oh yeah. They fall down hundreds of times, but they, they get back up and eventually they're running around and it's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do you, I, I don't know, maybe you don't have ever have conflict. Occasionally Heather and I have conflict um, in our marriage around, around our personal finances. <laughs> and, and I could see that, especially when, when you're the one managing the investments yourself and you don't have anyone else to blame it on than yourself. <laughs> I could see it being very easy to start pointing fingers and saying, Oh, that's the investment you 
you wanted that one, not me. And <laughs> how, how it, I, you probably haven't had that come up, but, but if you, if someone were to have that come up, how, what would be a, a good way to resolve that? Or how would you resolve that in your marriage? Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to say I got a very good chuckle when you said that we probably don't have conflict because (laughs) that's hilarious, right? I mean, we have conflicts over what episode of TV we watch before this podcast, um, and we still have a hard time always choosing. So um, there's definitely, you know, conflict. I feel like we we are lucky in that we worked a lot of our um, financial related conflict out prior to getting married and right at the beginning of getting married. And I think too. What sometimes helps for us is that I, I'm not necessarily familiar with all the companies, so I have no idea what to pick. So I can't say like, oh, well, I want to pick this. If you pick that, then like, oh, you should have picked my thing. So that kind of takes that off the, the table for us a little bit. But I guess I would just say to anyone that that might have a conflict, talk about it, I guess, before, if, you know, so are we talking about both people are investing or just one person is, is doing the investing in the relationship? Yeah, I think going into that conflict, that conversation, you, you need to realize right off the bat, whatever you have in your mind is your ideal resolution, you're not going to get it. You're going to have to give some and you're going to have to, to meet the other person at, at some point because they have something that they want to reach as well. Um, maybe making sure that it's an investment that both people in the relationship are comfortable with ahead of time. So that way it's not, you know, there we've had, I think since we've been married for almost three years, there's been maybe two trades that Noah have has made that's been a little of like a riskier thing for him. Right. And he did ask me, he, he talked to me beforehand about both. Um, and we did talk them over um, a while. And ultimately I said, you know what, the place where we're at, I feel comfortable. It is a little bit riskier, mm-hmm. but go ahead. And if something happens, I'm not going to blame you. So maybe setting that up ahead of time, establishing what both people in the relationship are comfortable with risk wise, have both of them take a look at the company and kind of make sure you're, you're on the same page. So if something goes south, you're both taking the blame for it. I I really like that. What I'm hearing is transparency. So you're, you're talking about this, like it's not that he's going off and making these investments, a risky investment on his own and just hoping you won't find out or that it'll work out in the end. You know, he's, he's having this conversation with you and saying, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. It's a little risky. Are we good with this? And then at least if things go South, then you're both on board with whatever that result is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. I would, I would never make any type of decision that's going to jeopardize jeopardize our financial position because it's not my financial position it's our financial position and we're in this together um i'd say there's no sneaking around here as far as investments go i would like to openly own up to everyone who listens this there was some sneaking around by me going on at the beginning of our marriage and it was with a place called tj maxx (laughs) and if i ever got some cash in my hands there might have been a tj maxx purchase that might have sat out in my car for a couple days and Uh conveniently come in the house when noah was at work or something like that and we have gotten past that point we're transparent about everything and, but, but that's something that I want to bring up too, because I think that happens a lot. I, I have friends that I know do the same thing, um, in their marriages and their relationships as well. And that was something that we had to overcome. I'd say that was like our, our petty conflict that we had at the beginning of our marriage too. So really just getting on board, yeah. giving, he, you know, gave me some, I had to give some and, um, 
yeah, I feel like the transparency, like you said, has helped a lot in all aspects of spending, investing, all of those things surrounding our finances and the goals that we're trying to reach too. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's okay for someone to take the lead, you know, for no, you can't both maybe always both be doing an active, but it is about transparency and communicating with the other person, even if one person is going to take the lead on doing something. So what advice would you give if, one person in the couple is excited and passionate and wants to do this. And the other person is like, I don't have any interest. I don't know what you're talking about. Leave me alone. I just want to watch my Netflix and chill. Like, just leave me alone. How, what would you say to, to getting, you know, how do you get a couple or what advice would you give for a couple that's not on the same page? I know it seems like you guys kind of got there quickly, but I don't know if you've had other friends that you've seen that in or advice you would give. We have seen that for sure in some of our friends and some of our couples, um, maybe one's interested in investing or, or saving a bit more and the other isn't. And we did talk about this question uh, a little bit, you know, this type of thing a little bit a while ago. I think kind of what we what we are thinking is that we, you really have to get on the same page with your goal. You know, so it's not even necessarily the investing, but more so to just sit down, take investing and saving off the table for a moment and talk about your goals. And sure, one person may not be into the savings and the budgeting and the investing, but they might get into a goal and they might get excited about retiring early. And, um, you know, just just throwing out to them that if you do budget and invest and maybe save a little extra you can reach that goal earlier. And while they still might not want to um, be a part of the daily thing, helping out and maybe not going out to dinner as often or not getting that drink or something like that can help in reaching the goal that they're excited about. You know, they might still not be excited about the um, having to cut back or having to do certain things, but they could hopefully get excited about the goal. And I think, yeah, I think, Focusing on the goals are really important, clearly, because we've mentioned it like five times already. (laughs) It it sounds kind of morbid and it is, but I like for Nicole to have like an understanding or a knowledge of what's going on in case anything ever happens to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want her to be out there um, without any understanding or knowledge of what I was doing. Um, I want her to be able to, to some degree, manage it on her own or at least um, at the very least, find someone who's going to help her manage it, um, because I think that's really important, too. Yeah. So so when is the right time for someone to find someone to help them manage their finances v- versus managing it for themselves? Because it is it is a unique skill set there, but but it's something we we can also learn. So is it is it all right to use a financial advisor? Would you recommend that to, to others? I mean, you are a financial advisor, so... <laughs> I, I imagine you wouldn't uh, dissuade people from that. <laughs> I think I think for some people, financial advisors are really great tools just because that is their sole purpose. Like that is what they're they're specializing in. They understand a lot of the tax planning, a lot of the estate planning, especially the investments. Um, however, for a lot of people, financial advisors aren't really practical because financial advisors don't typically start accepting clients until they reach a certain threshold mm. of assets under management, just because it doesn't make financial sense for the business model to work. And for those people that might not have access to financial advisors, they're kind of left to the do-it-yourself approach. And I think one of the, the best 
tools, and it's actually really well utilized now, are ETFs or index funds, just because they give people a, a great ability to diversify their portfolio without necessarily needing to know like a ton of the investment research process. Um, so I'm a big proponent of index funds and ETFs. They're, they're super cheap for people to buy. They're ubiquitous. There's so many of them. And they do a really good job at what they're built to do. And I think something that's important to mention too, um, if I never married Noah, if I never found Noah, I would have a financial advisor. I mean, I would have mm-hmm. the taken the financial advisor that my parents knew that I was using and probably would have kept him my entire life just because something that Noah doesn't hasn't mentioned yet is he is constantly reading, mm-hmm. researching companies. I mean, that's what he does on a daily basis. He's always finding out more information about companies, who he's going to buy next, what's a good company, what their story is, all these things. And I think, while I think that's great, if you're not interested in it, don't just um, like make an investment that that you haven't done the research on. And I think in that case, it makes more sense to use a financial advisor. But like Noah mentioned, some financial advisors have a certain amount that they want you to have before they do it. And we we're actually talking about this. Were you telling them about the those like bots that you were telling me about? Oh, so I wouldn't call them bots necessarily. Oh. <laughs> um, but a lot of companies have developed like robo advisors now. Oh. Um, so the brokerage company we use is Ally Invest. And they basically cater to people who, who don't meet that threshold to hire a dedicated financial advisor. Um, but they want to invest. They just don't have the knowledge or the time or really the desire to learn about it. So what you can do is you can go like set up um, an automated portfolio, basically. And each time you make a deposit, it'll invest the money based on your your risk tolerance, your goals, um, time horizon, all those types of things. So like Ally Invest has one. I know E-Trade has one. Um, I'm pretty sure Charles Schwab has one. Most of the big brokerage firms have them. So that's a, another great option. That's that's still they're still constantly being developed because they're relatively new, but they have some pretty cool features on there. And for someone who just wants to dump money in there uh, from their paycheck every other week, it's a, a really great option. And I want to go back to the financial advisor piece for one more second, yeah. because I overlooked one of the things that often gets overlooked and probably the reason financial advisors, one of the, the reasons I think they're undervalued, underappreciated and it's that they have such a huge behavioral impact on their clients. So I worked for a, a financial advising firm previously, and a lot of our clients were high net worth clients. So a lot of their money was inherited money from businesses that either the, the patriarch or the matriarch of the family had built and had been passed on over generations to them. So they didn't necessarily know when enough was enough or, or when to stop when it come, came to spending. Um, and one of the, the, the best jobs that financial advisors in that case does is just to be that, that circuit breaker, to be there to say, you know what, I think we need to take a step back and look at this. We have your goals here. If you keep continuing at this rate, I don't necessarily know that you're going to be able to accomplish those goals. And just especially when the market goes down as well, financial advisors do a great job of bringing you back down to earth when people get panicked and they say, hey, let's look at 10 years from now. What do you want to accomplish? 
if if the goals haven't changed, we shouldn't change our approach. There's no need to change the strategy to sell out now. Yeah, you might be scared. When we talked about implementing your portfolio, we told you times like this were going to happen. And we told you we're going to have this conversation that we're having right now. And we're going to talk you off the ledge, essentially. So I think they do a great job from that aspect as well. And that often goes underappreciated. Yeah. No, we certainly value that from our financial advisor as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great perspective. I was gonna... I was going to say, I've got a, I, I'm very lucky as I have a built-in financial advisor over here because um, <laughs> I am the person, we use Mint. Um, it's this app and it kind of like yeah. tracks all of your portfolios and things like that. So I check Mint every day. I don't know. I'm a creature of habit. It's, it's a bad habit do. to get into. Yes, it is a bad <laughs> habit and it's what I do. And I'll go on and I'll go, oh, Noah, we're down this month. You know, and yeah. I'm just like, okay, the world is falling down and he's that person that says Nicole I chose everything I chose for a reason you were with me we talked about our risk it's okay it happens and yeah. I think a lot of times people don't have that mindset or don't have that person to talk them off the ledge or to calm down their emotions because when people mm. start investing emotionally that's when it gets dicey so yeah. Noah, I am the emotional person and Noah helps me um, <laughs> come down from that. So I'm very happy to have that balance in our marriage as yeah. well. And, and money's emotional. You've invested so much time yeah. and energy yes. and work and everything. It it You've put so much into it. It is, it, it, it's a lot. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been a pleasure having you with us. Can, can you remind everyone where they can find you? So I appreciate you guys taking the time to have us on. We, we're really thankful for the yeah, opportunity. You, so um, you can reach out and check out any of the Nickel for Your Thoughts content on YouTube, Instagram, or right on the Nickel for Your Thoughts website, which the domain name is just nickelforyourthoughts.com. Um, and, and could you spell nickel? Because it's not spelled like the coin. <laughs> yes, that's right. right. <laughs> it's not spelled like the coin. It's spelled N-I-C-H-O-L-L. And it's the word for your thoughts.com. Excellent. And, and we'll have it all linked yeah. in the show notes as well. Yep. But for those that don't look at that, it's good yes. to have it. Yep. We'll have it linked in the show Absolutely. notes. Great. Well, that about wraps up our conversation for today. We'd love to hear how your conversations about money have gone or to take your questions on a future episode. You can email us at marriageandmoneypodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at marriage.and.money. Thanks again for joining us this week. And remember that whether you're a spender or a saver, your best financial life lies somewhere in the middle.